another two-parter in the works in episode 132 of the Lace Em Up podcast. It's the free agent frenzy edition, and a big-name superstar is actually going to be playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. How do you figure that? Uh, we'll talk about uh, the Leafs side of John Tavares going to Toronto, uh, what this means for the Islanders, and we'll also talk about all the free agents uh, that found new homes, uh, what the Bruins and Sens did. It's going to be a fun edition, and part one starts right now. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And uh, Brett, we have a guest uh, to help uh, break this all down, don't we? Yeah, we do. Uh, we had him on before a couple of years ago, I think. Um, yep. He's uh, Brian Darnstad. I think that's how you pronounce your name. If you want to give a brief intro about yourself um, for those who didn't listen or forget um, about your episode a while ago. Um, so... What are uh, what do you want people to know about you, Brian? Uh, I'm just Brian. I'm an Islanders fan, and uh, <laughs> I'm bad at introductions. All right, that's and fine. It sounds like that's you're gonna... pretty brokenhearted about the whole Tavares thing. Uh, yeah, it hurts. It does. There's no denying that. I will say, as an Ottawa Senators fan, it could be so much worse for you. It really, yeah. really could. I know it sucks. But um, I'm just expecting any day now to, for Eric Carlson to walk out the door. So um, at, at least you got something to look forward to um, with yeah. Purcell and coming. Got that so. kid that won the Calder. Yeah, no big deal. Um, so, so I guess we're. I mean, I guess we're kind of tiptoeing around the elephant in the room here. Uh, John Tavares uh, signs with the, his hometown team. Uh, the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, it was a seven year, 11 million, um, contract. Um, and this is also a team that's already stacked up front with, uh, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. Um, we'll talk about the Leafs in a second, but since we do have an Islanders fan in here, we'll start with those, those kind of, uh, you know, questions about how this will affect the Islanders. Cause this is a pretty big deal. This is. I was trying to think about this as, like, the last big free agent to actually sign with a new team must have been, like, Chara uh, to the Bruins, uh, and that was, like, eight years ago. So um, so this is by far the biggest um, free agent signing, because usually teams either trade the guy once they realize that they're not going to, that they don't want to sign with their team, or, you know, they just, uh, or they figure out a way to resign them. I don't know, like, uh, what happened to Stamkos, um, a couple of years ago. So, um, but it's never really been something like this. Sorry, I'm tugging at your heartstrings here, Brian, but, uh, That's he's, <laughs> he's, he's about to be 28 years old. Uh, he's, he has 621 points. In 669 games played in his uh, seven-year career, or eight-year career, sorry, um, and um, 
so he's kind of he's like 27 is around your prime so he's about to come off his prime a little but um not really at the same time he just got 84 points in 82 games that's the most that's the best he's that's the best season he's done though um in that regard um and um yeah so he's he's a clear top 10 player if not that maybe uh Top 15, but he's definitely an elite talent. There's no question about that. So first, Brian, I'll ask you this. Um, do you think the Islanders did everything in their power to keep Tavares? And, uh, like, who's to blame, basically, is the question. Should they have done anything differently? I mean, <clears throat> you really can't do much more than what you offered him. You gave him the longest term you could. You gave him $11 million a year. He still turned it down. You got the coach, you got the GM. You can't really do too much more than that, really. But I think he just kind of decided he didn't want to stay, so he kind of just bailed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the, the bigger th- question with this is, I guess, it's like it's kind of up to Garth Snow for not properly building around them. I mean, sure, you have guys like Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, who's now turning things around um, and all that stuff, but... Um, and Matt Barzal now, but, like, you know, they didn't really have a good goalie, and their defensemen were one of the worst in the league, so there is something where there's onus on that aspect of things. Um, I do read out, apparently Tavares said that he he kept on saying that he didn't want to be traded before a trade deadline. Yep, he so didn't I, want to be traded. He wanted to st- spend his career on Long Island. Right. And he's gone. Yeah, so, so he kind of lied in that regard, but... Um, I don't know. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Do you blame the management for that or do you blame Tavares more? I think blame has to fall into both sides to an extent because Tavares did say that he would stay and he didn't. But at the same time, you have the guy for like what? How many years now? Like, yeah, I think it's eight years, nine years years of his career. And, one of the biggest free agents you bring in in his entire eight years is Matt Karkner. Like, yeah. They weren't exactly building around him. So I think they both are at fault, but it's kind of like, not sure who shares more blame in that. Yeah, I could see that. Um, he's only played in 24 playoff games, um, and uh, he had 22 points in those, but um, that's another aspect of things. In his nine seasons... Um, or around nine seasons, I think, uh, he, uh, you know, that's kind of, um, he's only been in the playoffs three of those times. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts? I honestly believe the Islanders had a legit shot of keeping Tavares heading into July 1st. Like, like, um, Brian said, he didn't ask for a way out of Long Island, and if he wanted to leave, he could have asked, uh, a long time ago to leave that he was sick and tired of not making the playoffs or not winning a playoff series. And they did win a playoff series thanks to John Tavares and, and some heroics against Florida as well. But I I do think they didn't do enough to build around him while he was still here, while they still had a chance to keep him around. Uh, So I do think uh, management um, has some blame Uh, heading into this year. They, they definitely, uh, they definitely made a big mistake in that. But I don't think in any means John Tavares was sticking it to the New York Islanders. 
because I do believe him when he said that he wanted to stay in Long Island. This was about John Tavares living out a childhood dream that not too many proven NHL superstars get the chance to do. And when you look at the decision that Stamkos made in 2016, he decided not to go to the Leafs and remain in Tampa Bay. And I think that was largely because the Bolts had the pieces to make playoff runs that at the time Toronto didn't have or people didn't think they had. Today, the Leafs are in the position to do that. They have a lot of up-and-coming players that are going to be making names for themselves, guys like Travis Dermott, Timothy Lilligren, Andreas Johnson, and they've made it to the playoffs in back-to-back years. The New York Islanders have missed the playoffs in back-to-back years. And while the Leafs haven't won a playoff series since 2004, I think was the last time that happened, the Maple Leafs, I think, have a brighter future. And when you look at their lineup and you look at the debate of who's going to be the number one center, Austin Matthews or John Tavares, I don't think I've ever seen that in my lifetime where you could have two top ten centers on the same team. I actually do. In my opinion, it was too good for Tavares to pass up this offer. um, I think there's a a duo in Pittsburgh that would beg to differ about that. um, Okay, yeah. (laughs) But I, I, I do get your point in terms of, like, uh, Tavares and Matthews and uh, are definitely two of the best top two centers in the league, other than Crosby and Malkin, but that goes without saying. Um, yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where, like, I thought that the Islanders had the, the best chance of... of Getting like you know keeping him and and he wouldn't go somewhere else, and then I you know as the closer we got to July first, I kept on thinking, well, they didn't really like it's the Islanders, you know. No offense, Brian, but like you know they're not necessarily like Stanley Cup bound, even when they do have John Tavares and and sure Matt Barzal helped. And all that stuff, but yeah, like you know, it's more like they don't have a great like. I guess they didn't really have a ton of great defensemen. Their goalie issues, so it was always just like, oh, there's a possibility that Tavares is going to leave. Um, it, it wasn't really like necessarily like the Steven Stamkos situation where you're like, well, that we we think he might go, but you know, we're not. So it's kind of like. A situation with that where I feel like, you know, we were all kind of spoiled from Steven Stamkos and we were all expecting John Tavares to sign like a couple days beforehand. But then when you really think about it in hindsight, it makes a ton of sense that he just would want to go out. So, um, yeah. And if he wanted to go to a team that had a better shot at winning, I would argue yeah. that Tampa and San Jose have a better chance than Toronto, and he turned both of them down, and San Jose offered more money than the Leafs. Did. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about Toronto in a bit, but, like, I mean, Toronto does have the best offensive depth now um, in the league. I mean, they do need to fix their goal, their, their defense um, a bit, and they, you know, and we're not 100%, I'm not 100% sure about Frederick Anderson, we know what he's capable of, but can he be consistent is the bigger issue. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I think maybe you could make a case that he, the Sharks have a better chance. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't think Toronto um, is a bad place for him. 
um, if he wants a cup, um, per se. I mean, personally, I think he would have been better on the Bruins, but... Of course he would. Um, but that's just me. Uh, so, the second question, which I think is kind of like an obvious one, but are you still a fan of the team, uh, Brian? I assume you are. Uh, yeah, I'm still a fan of the Islanders. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Tavares, but I'm still a fan of the Islanders now, so... Yeah. Uh, for anyone at home, um, this is actually how me and Brian kind of became friends was I found out that he was a Red Sox and Patriots fan. So don't feel too bad for him um, for this. But, I mean, of course, it, it would still lose. Uh, it still sucks to have, you know, Tavares leave uh, like this. I mean, there is one thing that you could say that you could get on Tavares for is the fact that, like, you know, that he did say that he wanted to stay in Long Island and, you know, this whole, like, you know, and he kept on saying all this stuff, and I guess you could make a case, it's like, what is he supposed to say, but, I mean, you would think that the the management could say, like, alright, let's try to trade him, you know, like, why didn't Tavares just be upfront with everything, um, so I think you could get some stuff on Tavares, but at the same time, I'm not necessarily sure it's 100% on Tavares, per se. Now, uh, just an off-the-board question, Brett, if, if you don't mind me asking yeah. this to Brian. Sure. I, I've seen a couple of Islanders fans burning their Tavares jerseys. What's your stance on burning fan-favorite jerseys like that? They're idiots. It's a waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being, like, if you're going to spend $200,000 on a jersey, why are you burning it? Like, yeah, the guy left, yeah. but you just donate that to charity or sell it on eBay for something. So yeah. yeah. I think well, I mean those kind of jerseys are probably useless now. I do I do think I have like a couple of Manny Red Sox shirt jerseys, and I had a Wes Welker jersey the last year he was on the Patriots. So I, I get that feeling, but you know, obviously there's no like true anim, animosity towards those players. For me, <laughs> yeah, that is a. Uh, if you're going to burn a jersey, like, it's not necessarily Tavares' fault. You should burn, like, Garth Snow's jersey or something. <laughs> I, don't know. Um, I think you really keep that for nostalgia's sake because who would have a Garth Snow Islanders jersey? No, just I know, I know. I mean, that was a joke. Excuse uh, you. Uh, myself and my Marty Reasoner jersey take offense. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I don't have sorry. a Marty Reasoner. Yeah. I, I kid you not, I have a Dominic Hatchickson's jersey the one year that he was in Ottawa, and I still wear it to Sens games. Wow. Mm. Nice. I still, uh, I still have my Shea Weber Predators jersey, so I thought that was a safe investment. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the Islanders uh, made a, a couple of... Oh, sorry. Did I cut you off? I didn't mean to. <laughs> I'm not talking. All right. Um, so, uh, so the Islanders made a couple of other moves um, since, since Tavares came on. Uh, they re- they acquired Matt Martin via trade. They also got Leo Komarov, uh, which was a little odd um, of a deal. They they signed him for four years, three million. He had twenty four points last year, which I didn't realize. Um, they also got um, they also lost Calvin DeHaan. They picked up Robin Lehner. Um So how would you? I mean, they also had a big draft, which we'll get to in the next question. And, you know, Lou is the GM, Tross is now the coach. 
So how would you uh, grade the Islanders edition so far? Uh, decent. <laughs> like, obviously you can't replace Tavares because you're losing a top 10 player in the league right there. But I wish that they're a little more active in some of the bigger names. Yep. But I do understand that, you know, they're still trying to reach the cap floor. So a lot of the depth guys like Kuhn and like Kamarov, they're good third, fourth liners, good penalty killers, which we desperately need. So I'm not overly upset, but I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. I, it was it was strange that they acquired Matt Martin and Leo Komarov. It's kind of like they they helped the Maple Leaf situation a lot uh, just by getting Matt Martin, you know, taking uh, yeah, to, a bit to be of... Fair, though, with Martin... There's something to be said about locker room, locker room chemistry, and it sounds like Martin is like the like a great guy for the locker room presence. True, he was a big part. I mean, he was a former Islander, yeah. or, so there's that. Natural, he seems like a natural leader as well. So yeah, I'm I not get, really objecting to that deal because even McAdams not going to meant to anything in the NHL. True, and you get a leader back, you get someone to just kind of like just be like a role model on how to work and stuff like that for the youth. So yeah, I guess, I I guess that was more of a, like a, a, um, I don't know. It's like Matt Moore, Martin fits this role of being like a mentor type nowadays, but, um, you know, it's, it's still kind of interesting that like Lou, uh, becomes the GM of the Islanders now after he used to be the Leafs GM, and he picks up Matt Martin and Leo Komarov, um, and, you know, and uh, Tavares goes to lose former team. So it is kind of a funny situation. Of course, those those don't equal in terms of that trade, but it is kind of a funny situation where, like, oh, the former Leafs joined the Islanders um, now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's that. Uh, the... Uh, and then, do you think Laner will be good for the Islanders, or uh, do you have high hopes for him? Uh, he can't be worse than Grice <laughs> last year, but honestly, yeah, I like it one year, 1.5, just like, prove that you can be a good goalie, Yep. and he has tremendous, I think he still has tremendous upside, and if it works out, it works out, if it doesn't, it doesn't, so. Yeah, that's true. Um, we can focus on the uh, the positives for the Islanders. Uh, so they dra- they had a very good draft. They had uh, because of the Travis Hamonic uh, trade, they got the Flames' first round pick, and the Flames uh, did miss the playoffs. Uh, so they acquired their picks, which happened to be the eleventh and the twelfth pick in the draft, and it just so happened to be Oliver Wallstrom and Noah Dobson who they lucked out and got in because those guys were expected to be in the top 10, um, but they dropped for whatever reason. Um, and then uh, Lou, as I mentioned, Lou Lamarillo is now the GM. It's no longer Garth Snow. Uh, Doug Wade is uh, no longer the coach as well, and it's now Barry Trotz, who's fresh off a Stanley Cup win. Um, we did mention at the start of the show they have Matt Barzal, who won the Calder. He had a point per game last year. Um, he was going away the Calder winner. So um, 
what are your predictions for this coming season and um, and just in general, where do you see the future of this team? Uh, okay, so let's address the first part, the coming of this for the coming season. So at least this year, I do expect a little bit of, obviously a bit of regression because you don't just casually replace an right. 80 point scorer and franchise first line center. But um, I think if Leonard is actually like decent and the defense can take a couple of steps forwards, I think they're a fringe wildcard two team, mm-hmm. which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But at the same time, it's also like, do you also like want to like take the season like off, do badly, tank for Hughes? But I think their ceiling for the Islanders is like a wild card two team. So yeah. I'm recent, I'm expecting them to not make the playoffs because you just can't really place eighty points like that. Yeah, I could see that. Like, like the highest they could get their ceiling is a wild card two team, but not expecting too much out of them. Um, yeah. Steve, what are that's your thoughts? The, that's, that's, that's the trick with the Islanders. Don't get, don't get hope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve, what is your thoughts? I should have a similar mindset to Brian with the Sens. Just like every bad week, they get bad news. So I guess I shouldn't hope for anything. Uh, but uh, I, I think the Islanders have... I, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they're going to be a decent team. I don't think they're going to be as bad as people think they were in... Uh, they also kept Thomas Hickey around for another four years. Yep. Cap friendly deal, two point five million per year on average. Um, and what people forget about Matt Martin is that both he and Cal Clutterbuck uh, in their fi- in Matt Martin's final years with the Islanders during his first tenure, they were hitting everything that moved, and they were like in the top ten, top twenty in in hits, yep. both of them. So. Um, I think they got some grit. They get a guy like Komarov that can help out on the penalty kill. And you also get guys like Komarov and Martin who were on a Maple Leafs team that were just basically not utilizing them to their fullest potential, if at all. Like Matt Martin was being constantly scratched at one point uh, during uh, the race. Steve? Extra play. So... I think you're going to get some motivation to keep his composure and just stay focused and be more cool, calm, and collected on the ice. Um, I think they could be a decent team, but I think it'd be a stretch to call them a playoff team. But I I don't think they're going to be disastrously bad. I think they're going to be a respectable team. I just don't think it's going to be enough to make the playoffs, especially when you look at how tough the Metro division is. Yeah. That's largely why they're not going to make it. Yeah, I'll be curious. I think the key here is I'll be curious to see how Barzell does without uh, Tavares. Um, like, I felt like a lot of the reason why Barzal was, I mean, not to say that he doesn't have skill, but I feel like a lot of the reason why Barzal was, um, had such a great year was because, uh, you know, other teams were focusing on Tavares and that allowed Barzal to take advantage. And now that he is the guy there, I mean, I'm curious if he's going to still be a more than point uh, per game player. Um, so I will be curious to see that. I also will be curious to see how Anders Lee does without Tavares uh, Josh, guys like Josh Bailey does uh, without Tavares. Uh, Jordan Eberle is another one. Um, you know they don't really have a true number two center anymore because of 
Tavares leaving, and you know Barzell is now the top line center, which is fine. He's certainly capable of it, but I'm not necessarily sure um, if he's ready for it. I wouldn't be surprised if he is, but um, it's still a it's still a question mark for this team. Um, I well, will, if, you, if, yeah. if you remember that stat uh, when we were talking about the NHL awards, there, Brett, I told you that Matt Barzell led the NHL in offensive zone puck possession time. Oh, right, that's right. In the league, Kane was second, McDavid was third. And Barzell did that on the second line with Ladd and Eberle as his linemates. Yep. And he also finished with one more point than Tavares this season. Right, true. Yeah, I mean, like, I I guess there is something to that. They're also getting a new coach. So so maybe Trotz, Trotz is a better coach than Doug Wade is. So Mm -hmm. there is that aspect of things, but... Um, you know, at the same time, I'm looking at their depth chart here. Brock Nelson's their second line center. Like that's that's yeah. not good. So not not to besmirch Brock Nelson, but I don't think he's. It's not good. It's not good, but it's not great. Exactly. Or, like it's 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 okay, but it's right. not great. Um, you know, of course, they still have Nick Letty, who is who's a pretty underrated, and uh, Johnny Boychuk, who was injured for a lot of last year, but they also are missing Calvin DeHaan, um, which they missed a lot of last year too. So, um, there is that aspect of things where like, um, they may not be great on the defensive side of things again, but you know, it's, I I wouldn't, I'm not going to say that they're going to be like the worst in the league, but um, I'm not, I don't necessarily see them being a playoff team per se. Um, <laughs> to give my answer here, um, yeah. So I guess the next question I had is, what is your outlook on the team? But I already um, asked that. So what? So where do you see the future of this team? I, I did mention that Oliver Wallstrom and Dobson are. Uh, they did draft them, but those guys are probably going to be. Um, you know on the team in a couple of years, not necessarily this year. So uh, what is your outlook on the team, Brian? Uh, For the next few years, it's going to be a little bit interesting to see how we do because it's going to be probably like what youth turns out to be good, what youth doesn't. But um, a second here, I'm trying to pull up the uh, draft class that they had. But um, I think a large future for the Islanders results in you know, guys like Van de Sample developing, guys like uh, Devin Bellows. Tave, Taves, Bellows, Hosang getting his head out of his ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dal Cole, maybe. Dal Cole as well. But then um, I think the big thing is for them, for the future, it's, it's like, you know, obviously Wallstrom, Dobson, those guys are huge, huge hits for us. Right. Uh, but then... Also in that draft, you have uh, Bode Wild, who I think can be a great guy as well for the future because that was first round talent that dropped in had the second. An attitude issue. Uh, I like Skarek in the third round, even though this does just like insurance policy in case Sorokin doesn't come over, Soderstrom doesn't develop, and uh, Blade Jenkins in the fifth. I like that's like potentially another Andrews Lee type player, just like that grinder get to the net. And I think it's a. I think we did a good job. So the future is 
interesting, to say the least, but I have some confidence going forward. Yeah, we'll see. Um, that is true. You guys do have a lot of promising prospects, um, especially in Bellows, Hosang, and, uh, you know, the two they had this year, and Dobson and uh, Wallstrom, and even Bodie Wild, as you, I, which I forgot about, um, who they picked up in the second round. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I don't know, uh, Steve, do you have any thoughts on that or in terms of the Islanders' future? I heard uh, rumblings on Twitter that uh, one NHL executive said, I'll bet the farm that uh, the Islanders offer sheets someone in Toronto. And this was before the Matt Martin trade happened. And me and Brett uh, were talking about this off the air uh, through email. Um, should the Islanders offer sheets um, one of the Leafs' young guns, like not necessarily Matthews, but either Nylander or Marner, would you be okay if they offer sheeted somebody? Uh, it's a tricky situation because it's who they're offering and what cost yeah. and if the draft picks are going to be worth it. Well, so. well, we should mention that the Islanders don't have a 2019 second, third, and fourth natural. So that if they were to like offer sheet a guy like uh, Nylander this year, uh, they couldn't. Uh, they would have to offer sheet him for 10 million or an, an entry-level contract. So, um, and then, you know, and then if you do that, then they, then the Leafs have the, um, if you do it for 10 million, the compensation would be the fir- uh, first round. Uh, four first round draft picks, I Four think. first round draft picks. So, um, so that it may not be worth it this year, and per then, se. Yeah, then if you, and if you offer him the. Yeah. Entry level, then the Leafs just get a gimme and are saved from right. the salary cap. Exactly, because then they could just match it. But yeah. um, I don't know if you were finished with that. But um, but like, let's say I don't know how they could get their you know second round pick. But like, let's say um, like next year, I feel like of the three, Matthews is the only one that's worth ten million or more. Uh, to offer sheet from, but I'm not saying that's going to happen. But if you're going to offer sheet one of them, it would probably be Matthews, but it would yeah. be a big price for that. Yeah. But like, even if you did say like offer sheet or a team, not because the Islanders can't, but let's say you offer sheet Nylander this year, a team offer sheets Nylander this year, and they, um, which we'll talk about in a bit, but. Um, they, you know, you offer sheet them like eight million, eight point five million, or something like that. Uh, the Maple Leafs could match it, but then they still have to worry about Marner and Matthews the next year, um, and that's something that you know that could potentially happen. Um, but you know, offer sheets hardly ever happen nowadays, but it, it could happen. If there is ever a time to offer sheet anyone, it would be the least right now. So we'll see. Um, so that's, that, that does give us a good segue to the Leafs in general. Um, since you do watch, since you did watch Tavares a lot, um, on the Island, um, what does Tavares do for the Leafs? Uh, does a lot. It gives you, uh, gives you a nice eighty-point player right there. Takes pressure off, you know, Matthews and company. 
just makes them a really good team offensively. Yeah. Even though it may give them some serious cap hell in the future. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think they still have to figure out their defensemen, and I think the Bruins gave them a, like showed a uh, a hole in their team um, just in the playoffs uh, this year, where like it just seemed like their defensemen weren't up to snuff. Not saying that Morgan Riley, Jake Gardner, or uh, Zaitsev are terrible, um, but they you know at least not offensively, but defensively they could be better. And I'm not necessarily sure how they would do that. But of course, like if you have a chance to get John Tavares, you get John Tavares, even when you don't necessarily need John Tavares. So there's that. Uh, So Steve, I'll I'll ask you the same question. What does, I mean, you kind of already answered it, but what does Tavares do for the Leafs? I'll tell you what he does. He makes them a top three team in the East um, by a long shot. I mean, Tampa's still number one. Pittsburgh's a questionable number two heading into the season. I think the Leafs have an edge over the Bruins. Now I'm going to piss off Brett by saying that. Um, But uh, I think the Leafs could be a top two team heading into the playoffs, depending on what happens with Pittsburgh. Like when you have Tavares and Matthews as the top line center, one of the two, and then you put the other in the second line and a 30 goal scoring Kadri anking the third line. How in the world are you expected to stop all that offense? And they're basically another Tampa Bay Lightning. Too much offense to keep track of. And when those two teams meet, it's going to be so darn fun to watch because the next couple of years, we're just going to see nothing but good hockey whenever those two hook up. All I'll say is you you should never count out the Bruins. I know, Uh, I know. I'm just uh, saying on paper, I would put them ahead of the Bruins. Uh, I, I get it. It's fine. I'll, I'll I'll write this down in my little journal here. Um, the Bruins are still going to be better than the Sens. Don't worry. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I don't want to be too too mean to you. So no, no, it's all uh, <laughs> no, it's all good fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean the the only concern for me in terms of the Leafs would be at least this year is I'm not necessarily convinced about their defense yet. Um, Morgan Riley had a career year, so did Jake Garner, but. Um, I still feel like, you know, their defense has holes. Like, yeah, you have John Tavares now. You you were scary even before that with Marner, Matthews, and Nylander um, and Kadri. But, like, you know, and there is an aspect of, like, you know, a good – the best defense is a good offense. So there is that aspect of things. But at the same time, it's like what's going to happen when, like, Frederick Anderson – uh, is is shaky um, and, uh, you know, is inconsistent. Like, you do have a better chance of scoring, but, you know, there are definitely ch- chances where, you know, they don't necessarily score right away. You're, you're, you're hitting a hot goalie or something. So um, there is that aspect where they didn't necessarily fill their hole yet. Um, so I'm not prepared to say that they're the top three in the East, but they are definitely better than they were before. So I'm going to say, let's see here. I'll say the Penguins, the Lightning are definitely the top two in the East. Bruins, um, I guess they also have holes too, even though I am biased. 
Uh, Bruins, Capitals, you can't really count them out nowadays either. So maybe like five, uh, top five at least. Um, I'm not, <laughs> no particular order. Um, so, uh, yeah, there, there, there is that aspect of things, but, uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, I did mention their cap situation. We have, um, this wasn't really a question, I guess, but Nylander is going to be an RFA. I did mention that if you're going to offer sheet, cause ho- offer sheets hardly ever happen, but if you're going to offer sheet someone, um, this year or next year would be the time to do it for the Leafs, um, but you also have Matthews, Marner, Kapanen, and Josh Levio as RFAs next year. Um, they did the Leafs did sign Tyler Ennis, um, Jake Gardner, and Ron Hainsey are going to be UFAs next year as well. Um, so, uh, and uh, I guess Curtis McElhinney here will be a UFA as well. So, um, but you know the big ones are Matthews, Marner and Nylander, um, and then maybe they sign Jake Gardner if they feel like he uh, has taken the next step. So, I mean, uh, they it says here that their cap hit is $63 million, um, and they have $15 million in cap space, but that's not included Patrick, I mean, Nathan Hordens, who's put on LTIR, so they have about... Um, who's making $5 million. So they have about $20 million in cap space currently, um, assuming um, Horton, you know, goes on LTIR. Um, and the only guy they have left to sign for next year is William Nylander. Yeah, but I am curious. I, I feel like there is a chance that a team is going to offer sheet them. I, I really want to see chaos in this league. Yeah, uh, that's, so, one, that's one thing I'm looking for. I'm not yeah. looking forward to see Tavares and the Leafs show up uh, twice a year uh, in yeah. Ottawa to kick the fans' butts. But this presents an interesting salary cap situation that yeah. I was kind of hoping would happen if they he went to either Toronto or Tampa, because right. they'd be facing the same issue if uh, Tampa got Yeah, and I mean, the factor that like Matt Martin's no longer on the team helps their cap situation a lot. So maybe they aren't necessarily in trouble. And I've been reading a lot that it's like not as bad as they're, they're making it out to steam. But at the same time, Matthews is going to want ten or eleven million, um, and then Marner and Nylander will probably be making eight million. So that's going to be tough to fit under the cap, especially when you have a guy like Patrick Marlowe who's making six point two million for the next two years. Uh, you know, uh, a guy like um, Nikita Zaitsev making four point five million for the next six years, um, which is crazy. So um, those are two contracts where they're not necessarily valued um, where they should be. Um, and that that would be a concern if I were a Leafs fan. It's like, well, Mar- Marlowe's making $6.2 and Zaitsev is making $4.5 What's going on here? But um, So that would be a concern, but... I mean, I guess it's one of those things that maybe, like, a guy like Lilligren, Dermott might be, I've heard good things, so they may be able to help fill the defensive holes that they have without going into free agency and getting someone, but um, there is that. There is always that possibility that, you know, Dermott 
or Lilligren aren't going to be as good. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's like the time is now in terms of like the, the, the Maple Leafs window is officially open if it wasn't already open last year, but um, it is officially open where now it's like if they don't win the cup in the next couple of years, they're going to be in trouble for, for a bit. Uh, kind of like Well, yeah, because, <laughs> you know, of the talented guys that they have, you yeah. know, you're going to have to fit them under the cap. And when it comes time to re-sign them, it's going to cost more money. Right. And so you're basically, for the next five years, you're just not only expected to do well on the ice, but also on draft day. Like, yeah. there's so much pressure for them to keep building up that prospect pool because eventually – they're going to have to trade away some pieces in order to keep that young core intact yep. and John Tavares on the team. And then there's also, and added on to that, you have, like, reports that Matthews is, like, he's changing agents. We finally get to talk about this story. Matthews yeah. is changing agents. Uh, a, a reportedly, Mike Babcock is going to uh, Arizona uh, to his home to have a talk with him. So, I mean, it's, I'm sure those two things are probably nothing, but, you know, it is a kind of, it could be something at the same time. So I don't know if necessarily Matthews is upset or with Babcock or not, but um, there could be something in the lines in terms of that. Um, I don't think he's upset with the Leafs, though, because he actually recruited John Tavares. He wanted Tavares on that team, so he's still invested with the team. At the same time, though, Austin Matthews wants what's best for Austin Matthews. He is joining the agency that helped Connor McDavid get paid last offseason. Right, yeah, so so there is that aspect of things where it's like, um, you know, sure, he is going to love... You know, because he even tweeted this. You, you did bring up a good point. He said, "Welcome aboard, ninety-one Tavares. Pumped to have you in the blue and white, and now call you a teammate." Hashtag Go Leafs. So there, there is that, but there's also the aspect of like, he's you know he might not be making that much money um, compared to Tavares. Um, if he if he does want to make you know if he still wants to play with Tavares, he's probably going to have to take a little bit of a pay cut um, to to make things work. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I, I hate being like the Toronto media and saying like, well, there, there could be something, you know, like Matthews is mad at Babcock. I'm not necessarily sure that's true. But at the same time, it could be, you know, it's like there's smoke. Um, here's a thing that I've seen people say too, is that there is like John Tavares could be the captain. I'm not sure if right away, but he could be the captain and that could piss off Matthews cause he's more of the leader type. Um, so we'll see, um, that could be an interesting situation to watch out for. I don't think they, it wouldn't be a good idea to make Tavares the captain Anyways, but especially in the first year, uh, wouldn't be a great thing. Um, I, have another- I think I think they owe it to guys like Matthews to at least give it another year, learn yeah. from Tavares, and and then see where everyone's at. Like they're like they made it they made it to the playoffs without a captain for two years. Why not wait another year before you make your decision? Yeah, that's true. Um, Brian, do you have any thoughts on what we just talked about or? 
Um, uh, you don't. Nothing too much because captain is really just a decision on yeah. between, between the management and the players, and I don't know anything about that. So. <laughs> and Vegas just went to the finals without a captain, so sure. there you go. Yeah, it's true. Um, well, no, I was just saying, like, in terms of the cap situation, but I, I don't know if you have anything on that either. Um, I, I'm not bullfish with salary caps, so. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, so we're now on to the rapid fire. Brian, you you can leave, but you can stick yeah, around uh, if you, you want. You have to go, actually, so. All right, well, it was, it was nice having you. Um, I'm sorry for your loss, but um, at least you have the Red Sox <laughs> to cheer for for this summer, at least. Sounds good. See you guys. See you. Wish you all the best uh, with your team, buddy. Take yeah. care, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. Wish you all the good. best, too. So, all right. Uh, so, I guess we'll get going. Uh, we're going on to the rapid fire. Paul Stasny, uh, the biggest one beside, obviously, John Tavares is Paul Stasny. He goes to Vegas. This is kind of an interesting deal because the uh, Winnipeg Jets made a trade just before uh, – July 1st, where they mm-hmm. traded Steve Mason and a couple of other guys for uh, Simon Bork um, to Montreal. And so we were all thinking, like, oh, this is to fill space for uh, Paul Stasny. But when you look at it, it turns out uh, so Hellbuck's going to be an RFA, so is Truba, um, and Morsi, um, and I think there's another guy who they. Uh, they were probably going to pay. Um, I mean, that's a lot already. So I feel like that that trade had more to do with making sure Truba and Hellebuck and Morrissey were all being paid um, as opposed to, um, uh, you know, uh, actually trying to re-sign Paul Snazny. Um, but, yeah, this, this should be an interesting uh, move for the Golden Knights here. Um, I think, did I say the, uh, the term? I don't know if I did. I don't think you did. Three years, 6.5 million. Um, I would imagine, I would imagine he'd be the top line center, but, um, at the same time, William Carlson was a pretty good center for them, um, this year. So maybe he'll be the second line center. Um, so that should be, uh, interesting to see how that goes. Um, yeah. What do you think of this deal? Well, he's got a modified no trade on all three years, a list of 10 no-go NHL destinations. That's the condition on the modified no trade. And um, this leaves Vegas with just under $15 million to sign four RFAs with uh, Shea Theodore, Thomas Nosek, and William Carlson being uh, the most notable of that bunch. But right. if, they, if they're if they not getting a top-line line center, what version of Paul Stastny are they going to get? Because for the better part of the first six seasons of his career, this guy was averaging 20 goals and 60 to 70 points a year. Right. And he got 53 points this year combined with St. Louis and Winnipeg. And that was the first time uh, in four or five years that he was able to surpass, uh, reach and surpass 50 points. So my question is just how effective is he going to be? And if you, if you take a look at the projected line mates that he would have in Vegas, um, if 
let's say you put him on the second line, Eric Halla on the left side, Thomas Tatar on the right side. Let's remember that Halla got over 50 points last year, and the departed David Perron, who we'll talk about later, was clicking at a point-per-game pace on that secondary line. In fact, he got 60-plus points. So it's going to be interesting to see how Paul Stastny would do um, with the Golden Knights from that respect if he was on the second line. Because when Winnipeg uh, got Paul Stastny, that was just a depth ad. Now you're getting a guy who you're expecting to play a big role in the top six. If, if For Winnipeg, getting Paul Stastny was just to bolster their lineup because they already had a good enough offense. Right. Um, but then I take a look at this stat. Paul Stastny had a possession success rate of 71% last year. Vegas was eighth out of 31 teams in that regard. And if there's one thing that Vegas was very good at, on top of being fast, it was good puck possession. So if Paul Stastny makes them better in that respect, I'd say it's a good trade. And probably the second biggest thing that they did was they took Stastny out of Winnipeg's hands. Because if Stastny stayed in Winnipeg, Winnipeg would be a much bigger threat. And they still are a big threat. Yep. But now they're not as dangerous with Paul Stastny in Vegas. It is funny because that, that does remind me back uh, before the trade deadline when the uh, Golden Knights got involved with the Penguins and the Senators in order, and they uh, they even paid a percentage, um, like to retain some of Broussard's salary, and uh, and this was supposedly to keep a Broussard going to Winnipeg, and then um, and. It, and then Winnipeg goes out and gets Paul Stasny. They end up meeting in the Western Conference Finals. And, you know, the, the Golden Knights... And Paul Stasny had a better playoffs than Broussard uh, did as well. So it's kind of funny. And now they have Paul Stasny on their team. So it is a weird... I don't know if it's necessarily ironic, but it's it's kind of coincidental that all that came came to fruition in that in that regard. Um, yeah, I mean, I would imagine Stasny definitely adds uh, center depth um, compared to William Carlson. And I will be, you know, I think the Golden Knights are going to be one of the more interesting teams next year because we don't know exactly how they're going to be. Are they? Were, was their inaugural season a fluke or was it just like, you know, are they actually really, really good? And... Um, you know, so the Paul Snazny does add to that. You did mention that he had 53 points um, um, combined last year for both the Blues and the and the Jets. Um, so there is, you know, like there is a aspect of he could improve, but at the same time, it's like um, we'll see how it goes. It, there is a possibility that the Golden Knights are going to regress a bit especially a guy like William Carlson who uh, only had six goals, you know, the seasons before and he, you know, goes out and gets 40 goals. Um, then that's due for some regression. Just how much regression would be the question. So, um, so this could add to like, you know, just an added depth. It's, it's something that can't hurt. Um, and we'll see how that goes. Um, it should also be mentioned that, this signing makes Paul Stastny the highest-paid player on the Vegas Golden Knights roster. Yeah, so 
Um, yeah, that, that is a good point. Um, although Jonathan Marcheseau has the most term on his contract. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're right. In terms of actual... Um, Average annual value, he's the highest. Yeah. Um, so we'll go to our next team, or the next big signing, a JVR. Uh, he goes to James, uh, he, go, he goes to James Everton, it's like, he goes to the Flyers, back to his old team, which, which you'll notice is a, is a kind of a, um, a thing now, um, in free agency now. Uh, so, uh... Jameson Reemsteig had 30 goals last, 36 goals last year. Um, he is 28 years old. Um, he had 54 points um, as well. But I think it's like once, you know, to, I, I guess I don't think he would have stayed. He would have, he would have stayed even if the Leafs didn't get Tavares, but it was a definite thing. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Steve, but last year, uh, apparently, um, it wasn't official yet, but, like, James Van Riemsdyk had a problem with his printer in terms of, like, actually printing out the, signing the contract, and it wouldn't, like, fax properly, so... I it, think that, I think that was uh, his new contract this year, yeah. That's what I said, yeah. So it was okay. kind of, it, it, he almost, like, uh, it was kind of an awkward situation, but uh, it looks like they figured it out, and it's official, uh, JVR is to the Flyers for five years, seven million. I think I may have predicted this, but I feel like I predicted everyone was going to the Flyers. Um, but uh, anyways, I think it was it was just. No, uh, I, I think that was predicted. What I, I missed that. Uh, I think what we were talking about in the last episode is that every big name player was going to San Jose. That's right, or St. Louis. I think I I, I thought like I was going to say like oh Philly needs depth, St. Louis needs depth, and I was sort of right. So I just don't know if I specifically said that JVR to to Philly and all those guys would go to uh, St. Louis, but yeah, uh, this is like a good depth move. I am curious though how this is going to affect like guys like Nolan Patrick. Um, even a guy like Wayne Simmons, Shane Couturier, because um, those guys had career years. And um, but like when you add a guy like James Van Riemsdyk to the lineup, of course it's going to help your depth. But um, will it be a, a big factor in terms of um, in terms of like other guys' deployment? And that's what I'll be curious about. Like, what about Travis Konechny? Um, who also had a career year too. So um, I'll be curious to see how J- JVR meshes with the other guys and um, what does this do to the other play- the y- other young players on the team um, more specifically. So we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, so what do you think of this signing? What's interesting to note is that there are zero no moves or no trades in this deal. Year one through five, they can do what whatever they want with him. So uh, that's that's pretty good as well uh, if you're Philadelphia. Um, the, the one thing I'm wondering is how much of his success with Toronto was because of James Van Riemsdyk. Because he was pretty good at driving the net, great net front presence. He's not afraid to use his shot, but he's not afraid to get to the dirty areas. So he's a two-dimensional goal scorer in that respect. Uh, ranked 13th in goal scored last year. Uh, he had 
155 shots in the slot, eighth most by any player in the league last year. Um, inner slot shots, he had 107 of those, third most in the league. So again, how much of that is JVR and how much of it was the Leafs team that he was playing on? So those are my questions uh, regarding Van Riemsdyk. But on a normal year, 25 to 30 goal scorer, that's great depth for the Flyers. But um, I'm thinking of that, and I'm thinking of, oh my gosh, they're going to have to re-sign Travis Konechny pretty soon to a new contract. Um, and guys like Ivan Provorov are going to be RFAs down the road oh, after oh. this year. As a matter of fact, Provorov's due for a new contract. Um, and I look at some of their other defense, like Andrew McDonald, Racco Gudis as a top four defender, scares the crap out of me, uh, mm-hmm. and not in a good way. So I'm just looking at their defense and their goaltending. I'm thinking... Do they have enough of what they need to get them over Pittsburgh and Washington and the big teams of the Metro division? Because if they don't, they're just going to be a fringe wildcard team. Right. Because they're relying too much on Shane the Friendly Ghost Bear and Sean Couturier and Claude Giroux. And and they're bringing in JVR to help with the secondary scoring, and I get that. But it's just... Do they? My my question is: Do they have enough pieces to make them a better hockey team, or are they just restocking on stuff that they already have enough of? Did you just say Shane the Friendly Ghost Bear? That's yeah. like a that's like a new one in terms of the Swedish law firm for OEL. <laughs> and you have Shane the Friendly Ghost Bear. Yeah, yeah. Shane the Friendly Ghost Bear. Yes. I I think the the interesting thing for the Flyers is. You have guys like Sean Couturier, Nolan Patrick, Konechny, um, and um, you know, and you also, of course, you have Giroux, Voracek, and Simmons, and we know what they're capable of. Um, so I think it like you know they've always been like like that in terms of you know they have a lot of young guys, but they also have a lot of old guys. So it, it's all going to be dependent on if Couturier. Patrick and Konechny can take that next step. And even Provorov. Provorov had a career year, too. Um, but, like, can he take the next step this year, too? Um, as well as ghost, the friendly ghost bear, as I'll call him now. So, the you know, that whole idea may... I, I, I could see this being, like, a good move for them. I think that there is some concern if he'll... If, JVR will get 36 goals again, or even 30, but um, there is definitely potential. Um, I do wonder what they're going to do, the Flyers are going to do with Wayne Simmons. Um, He didn't really have a great year last year, and maybe that was a good, a big reason for why they picked up JVR instead. So I wonder if maybe they'll try to trade Wayne Simmons. I know he's going to be UFA next year. Uh, Oh no, Mm -hmm. two years. Uh, oh no! Next year, sorry. No, no. After after the he's an unrestricted free agent yeah, no, and he I needs a new up. contract. Um, <laughs> I I got confused with, with him. I'm looking at the cap friendly page and I thought he was Dale Weiss for a second, which was confusing mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> um, but yeah. So Wayne Simmons, uh, I I feel like his future is up in the air now because uh, it's not like you can trade Sean Couturier now or Nolan Patrick or Konechny. Um, and Wayne Simmons could get a big return for them. So I feel exactly. like exactly. And, yeah. and when you look at the fact that Travis Sanheim is their biggest defensive piece, that's not playing in the lineup right now. Yep. Like if you need more defense, 
Um, I don't necessarily know if you need better, better goaltending because they have Alex Lyon and Carter Hart coming up. Right. But uh, in the long term, if you need more defense, maybe Wayne Simmons is the piece that you need to help get that piece that you're missing and that you need to get better. Yeah, no, you're right. Because it, it's it, as much as it would be entertaining to watch a guy like JVR in the second line uh, grind it out, score goals with a shot, and Simmons do the same on the third line. Again, are do they have enough of what they need, and and more of what they already have? It's 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 uh, differentiating needs from wants. Yeah, that's, that's what true. the Flyers need to do. Uh. Let's go to the next topic, uh, the Blues. Uh, so we, this is kind of unintentional, but uh, we already talked about a former Leaf, and we already talked about a former, I mean, I guess the Vegas Golden Knights got someone in. So uh, now we have the Blues sign David Perron, who was a former Vegas Golden Knight, um, and he also was a former St. Louis Blue. He was exposed... Um, he was the one exposed in the expansion draft, and uh, he goes back to St. Louis. So I guess there's no hard feelings there. Um, back to St. Louis, and Tyler Bozak um, also um, comes to St. Louis. I think he was another situation like JVR, where you know he probably wasn't going to sign with Tavares, even if Tavares didn't go there, but. Now it's even more sure that he's going to do that. Um, we're going to talk about this more tomorrow because uh, they also the Blues also got Ryan O'Reilly in a trade. Um, but I am um, well. First off, let me say the contract situation here. Perron got four million, four years, four million. Bozek got three years, five million. Um, I am going to be a little bit curious to see how, like. Because now they have three centers uh, in Shen, Bozak, and O'Reilly. So I'm curious to see. And Shen was, you know, had a career year this year as well. So I am curious to see how, like, who's going to be the two centers. Because it's not. I mean, I guess you could put Bozak as a third line center. Um, you know, maybe you call up Jordan Cairo or Robert Thomas, who might be something. But um, I don't know what they're going to do with that situation. Um, per se. Uh, Bozak had 43 points in 81 games for the Maple Leafs, but he's like a, but he also had 53.6 in a, a face-off percentage. Uh, and then David Perron, we shouldn't mistake him, he also had a career year. 66 points in 70 games. Uh, 50 of those points were assists, uh, so that's pretty good, but um, so I think the, the Blues did improve a lot. I think it was almost like, okay, like, you know, now it seems like they actually have a direction, it feels like. Um, whereas before when they got, like, it seemed kind of, like, crazy that they traded away Stasny before the deadline. And now they're like, oh, so we're going to sign Bra- uh, Bozak and Perron um, and, you know, trade for Ryan O'Reilly and, Maybe that will spruce up the lineup a bit. So, um, so I, I I am excited about this Blues team. I am I am wondering what what's going to happen here. Of course, you have Tarasenko as well and Jaden Schwartz. So um, 
Yeah, so what do you think of this? Uh, these two trades? Well, these two signings, I mean, the good news about uh, Tyler Bozak is he doesn't have to worry about being uh, the top-line center. Frankly, I don't think Braden Shen has to worry about that either. And you look at Robert Thomas and George, uh, and uh, Robbie Fabry as well. Uh, they uh, re-signed him, uh, Robbie Fabry, to a one-year contract. Yeah, we'll and Robert Thomas is still in the picture, which is the best thing about the O'Reilly trade is they didn't have to give up him to Buffalo. But we'll talk about that, like I said, more in part two. But yeah. they've got a variety of options at center now. So I'm more confident with the team in that regard. And on a good year, a guy like Tyler Bozak maybe can score 20 to 25 goals, typically 40 to 50 points score per year. Um, the five-team no trade is a bit perplexing to Ron, and uh, Bozak has got a 10-team no trade clause as well in his deal. Um, but just just getting a, a pair of second-line guys uh, locked into a no trade, no move, it's – it's it's kind of a head scratcher yeah. in, in that regard. Like you don't usually give that to second line guys. I do like the price. The price for both of these signings it, it's 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 not uh, the worst thing in the world. I think it's actually pretty decent. Yeah. It's just a matter of what their value is, what they expect out of them, what they provide uh, to the St. Louis Blues. That I'm still scratching my head around because David Braun had a great year. But everyone in Vegas, it seemed, had a great year last year. Right. Um, so the question is, is he able um, to keep that up going back to St. Louis, who he's already had two stints with, and this will be his third. Um, and it, it's it's just more of like finding a rhythm. Can he mm-hmm. finally find that rhythm? And the good news for David Perron is that it took Josh Bailey a while for him to find his groove in Long Island, but now he finally has. So maybe this is a sign of some, some things to come for David Perron. Maybe he can finally find a stride for a couple of years in St. Louis. Um, but you mentioned, I don't know if it was on the air or off the air, that uh, you, you weren't sure if David Perron had uh, good chemistry with some of the teams that he's played for. So it'll be interesting to see how that factors Wait, in. Wait, did well. I mention? Oh, no, I said that he didn't have a great playoffs. I remember oh, I you said, didn't have a great playoffs. Right, okay. That, I, I don't know if I said chemistry, but uh, it was more playoffs. I, I think Ryan O'Reilly, I would be concerned about that, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. Um, I, the only reason why I bring up these the center issue is, so I'm, I'm just looking here. So Ryan O'Reilly had 1,274 face-off wins, which is unbelievable. Um, you know, he's one of the best face-off guys. So I feel like, it makes sense to have him be a top line center, but then of course, like the Shen Schwartz and Tarasenko line was one of the best in the league when they were, when they were all healthy. So maybe you don't even disrupt that, and you know you make O'Reilly the second one. But then I look here, Bozak um, had six twenty seven faceoff wins, but I just mentioned he had fifty two percent faceoff wins. Whereas Braden Shen had a um, has six sixty faceoff wins, but he all his faceoff percentage is forty eight percent. So um, I mean I don't know how much the Blues actually care about faceoff wins. Um, I'm sure they do if they get a guy like O'Reilly, but uh, you know you have three uh, centers uh, now, and I am curious to see if like if you put uh, maybe you put Shen on the wing um, or. 
or something like that. But um, but at the same time, you know, Shen, Shen was pretty good at the center line role last year. So I don't know what they what they will do with that. But yeah, the, da- I, the danger of putting um, Shen on the right side in particular is that Tarasenko, Steen, Perron, and Sashnikov are your top four. Well, yeah. got Jordan Kyrou, a very talented prospect on the rise. Clem Claston is another one, too. Yeah, well, so, I, I, I mean, like, if you're going to put Shen on the wing, you would put him on the left side. Um, I'm looking here on the on the step chart. They have Ryan O'Reilly as the left wing, and then Bozak as a, a second-line center, and O'Reilly as the second-line left winger. Um, and then you have Shen, Schwartz, and Tarasenko as the, as the top line. So, and then Steen is the right winger on their second line instead of Perron, which makes no sense. But they also have, like, Robert Thomas on here. This is according to Daily Faceoff. Yeah, it's so, the third line, yeah. So, um, I don't see Jordan Cairo, so I could, I don't know. I feel like it's a little risky to even bring up uh, a prospects up before they even have an AHL experience, but... Um, I don't know, Robert Thomas has been hyped up as a lot, so he could be something right away. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I will be curious to see how they, like, deploy these lines. Um, just, I mean, I am a fantasy hockey player, so I'll be interested to see that. But even as just a general fan, I, I'll be curious to see how how everything shakes up in the end. Um, yeah. The other thing that I will mention about St. Louis is while, I'm, while I was impressed with them to address their needs and fill their needs with the cap space that they had, yep. make them a bigger threat to Winnipeg and Nashville. No, they're still right in the middle. They they might yeah. be they might be giving Dallas a reason to fear, but. I wouldn't go as far to say that they're a better team. They're going to be a top three team in uh, the Central Division. I, I wouldn't go that far at this yeah. point, especially with Carter Hutton uh, moving elsewhere. Yeah. The pressure is still going to be on Jake Allen. And for the past couple of years, I'm not so sure if he can handle it. Yeah, I was about to say, I think Jake uh, Jake Allen's going to be the big issue for the Blues. It's like... They, they did get stronger on the offensive front of things, and um, certainly, but it's, you know, it's still like Jake Allen, uh, we're not sure what he can do. And, of course, you have Pareko and Peter Angelo um, as defensemen, so they're, they're good on, on the defensive side of things as well, but, you know, it's still like, well, what's going to happen with Jake Allen? Um, we're not sure. Uh the next uh, tra- the next uh, signing we're going to talk about is James Neal. Uh, he goes to the Calgary Flames. Uh, James Neal kind of had a... I mean, we did talk about how like all the Golden Knights kind of had a big season, but this year, it seemed like uh, James Neal had kind of a down year. He only had 44 points in 71 games. Um, I'm looking here on Hockey Reference... Uh, the, his last year in Nashville, he had 41 points in 70 games. So um, he technically had a better season, but not by much. Um, and what was what's even crazier is he got um, five years, 5.75 million. Uh, that's a lot for a 30-year-old. 
Um, so I'm I'm a little surprised by that, but at the same time, you know, you have your he's he's going to be the right winger for Gaudreau and Monahan, um, and so that that it that should help him that he's going to have better line mates supposedly um, than what he had in Vegas um, per se. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's like it it is a little. I feel like it's just a lot of um, term uh, for a guy in his 30s and has seemingly declined a bit. So I was surprised by that a bit in terms of the contract. A lot of these ones that I'd say, like, oh, that's about where they're valued at. But James Neal, it's like, that's a little bit too much. Um, but, I mean, if it works, it works kind of thing. Yeah, this this is an interesting gamble because I, I honestly if it's to get more secondary scoring, that's great because yeah. if you look at the Flames, they're a bottom five team when it comes to scoring goals. And James Neal's in the top sixty as far as goal scoring goes. He had twenty five on an expansion Vegas team on the second line. Right. And in every season he's played in this league, he scored at least twenty goals. Um but if you're looking for some Power play magic from this guy. I don't know if you're going to find it anymore because no doubt he had it with Pittsburgh. Yep. Like he he got eleven power play goals in his final campaign with the Penguins. That was five years ago. But but last four years he's scored a combined fifteen goals with the extra man. So I think you're right in the right position. He could flourish, but um, you also have to keep in mind that there have been rumblings that Matt could chuck. Uh, could be um, a new addition on the top line. So I guess it all depends right. on how they platoon Matt Kachuk and James Neal and, and where they fit in. I well, think that'll determine more than anything how good he is. But as far as the as far as far the signing itself, $5.75 million, it's pricey. But uh, there are no trade, no move, none of that. They can, If they need to trade him, they could trade him wherever, he want, uh, wherever they wanted to. So at least in that respect, they're not totally screwed. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Matthew Kachuk is that he, I think he only plays left wing, um, so it's not like you're going to move him up for Johnny Gaudreau, because Johnny Gaudreau yeah, is a better Yeah, you're not player. putting Johnny Hockey in the second right. line, right, no. So, so they're, they're, like, the Flames are set for left wings for a long time now, um, uh, just because both Kachuk and Gaudreau are very good. It's now, you have to figure out what they're going to do with their center situation and their right wing situation. Uh, speaking of that, Derek Ryan goes to the Calgary Flames. Uh, he only had 38 points, but he got signed for three years for three million. That was such a uh, that was a that was another head scratcher for me too. But we don't have to go into too depth on that. Honestly, one. it was kind of it was kind of like a Riley Nash situation where yeah, 38 points isn't really that much of a eyebrow raiser. But that was the best year of his career to date. And, yeah. you know, hey, bottom six scoring, uh, you know, get close to 40 points. I guess we can give you $3 million a year. Yeah, I guess it is a good depth move in that regard. Uh, I still feel like it's a little bit too much as well. But Yeah, a little. A little. Um, but, uh, you know, playing on the same team as uh, your old coach in Carolina, maybe, maybe they're going big on the Carolina Connections thinking, hey, you know, if uh, – if Bill Pierce feels comfortable with uh, coaching some of his former teammates, let's get him another one. I forgot about that because they also got Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin 
Um, in the trade, yeah. In the trade, so yeah, there, I forgot about that little Carolina connection. Uh, that, that is a good point there that I forgot about. Um, so now we have a bunch of goalie news here. Uh, so Leonard to New York that we mentioned before, he goes to the Islanders one year, $1.5 million. Um, of, we'll talk about Halleck. Um, and Kadobin in the Bruins send segment. Um, Carter Hutton, you briefly mentioned before as well. I'll just, I'll just say these all now and then we can, we'll talk about them later. Uh, Carter Hutton goes to Buffalo three years, 2.75 million, um, per year. Bernier to Detroit three years, 3 million. Uh, Cam Ward, which was a strange one, uh, to Chicago one year, 3 million, um, Per year, and then, um, well, I guess it has to be per year uh, if it's one year. And Mrazek to Carolina, one year, one point one five million. So, of those five I mentioned, what do you think? Who do you think did the best? Um, or what team do you think? Do you see any of these goalies actually having success? I think Jonathan Bernier to Detroit is yep. going to impress a lot more people than I, I think that stands to be a, a, a bigger success than I think a lot of uh, teams are going to give him credit for. Like, yep. I think Carolina Chicago would probably be wise to go with Jonathan Bernier because, yeah, his numbers aren't that sexy over the past two years. But when Gibson was hurt two years ago, this That's guy true. picked up the Ducks when Var. Lamov got hurt this from the playoff team. True. So if they utilize him well with Jimmy Howard, I think the Red Wings are going to be very competitive with Jonathan Bernier. It's a three-year deal worth uh, $9 million, so there's not aid involved at all. Um, I, I, I think uh, Chicago would have been wise to take him over a guy like Cam Ward, who is – not getting any younger. His goals against average has also been over 2.7. And I don't know if he's the right choice to take over for Crawford if Crawford doesn't feel. But I think the bigger question is going to be what is Carter Hutton moving forward? Yeah. Because this guy could either be the next Anti Ranta or the next Scott Darling. You don't exactly know what you're going to get with Carter Hutton on a team like Buffalo. Yeah, I mean... To Westville, he played very well behind Pecorine and a solid national defense, a solid Blues defense, and actually took over Jake Allen's starting gig this year. But as on a team, how are his numbers going to fare? Yeah, that is a good point. I mean, uh, Hutton... Hutton is a risky move here, but I feel like you could say the same for any of these goaltenders here in terms of, like, not all of them um, have been starters yeah. before, and if they were starters, it's like they weren't necessarily great. Um, so, but, like, Hutton's probably going to be a starter there um, in Buffalo, um, although maybe Olmark has played some games more than... Um, others, but like you're more like it's a one A one B situation. So I don't know, but um, yeah, the thing with Hutton is that he's 32 years old. So even if he can sustain the success, it's like his shelf life isn't that long. Um, 
in terms of being the same. Became a starter like closer to his thirties. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. It's just, I mean, it's 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 still like, but that you know, like not every goalie is like that. It's not like you're going to find a Tim Thomas everywhere. Um, so, um, yeah. But and I know that goalies develop later. Um, so there is that situation, but at the same time, it's just, you know, you just, you do have to worry about age sometime at some point, um, even for goalies. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there is that aspect of things, but, um, I do like this, uh, Peter Morazic deal to Carolina. Um, he only got one year, 1.15 million, um, I could actually see him dethroning Scott Darling if Scott Darling continues to struggle this year. Mrazek just takes over. Um, you know, Mra- I mean, Mrazek didn't have a great year even when he was on the Flyers for a bit, but I, I kind of like this deal and to see how it goes there. Um, it could it could work out for them. Um, and a couple, couple of things to note with the Mrazek thing. Um, you look at his numbers in Detroit – Goals yep. against average state percentage wise, they're actually better with the Red Wings than they were with the Flyers. But you know what the difference was? Yeah. He was being used too much in Philly because everyone that could have played goal for them was hurt, and Mrazic right. was their only option. And in Detroit, they didn't utilize him that much or as much as he would like. So yep. I think it's definitely a risk worth taking because Mrazic is a competitor. He wants to win. And we have seen what he can do when he is calm, cool, collected, focused in the zone on his game. When yeah. he was playing with the 67s, and I remember uh, watching this guy play, they had guys like Sean Monahan playing for them, Logan Couture, Cody Cece, and they would win games by a score of 6-2, to two, but they would get outshot 2-1 to one on the shot clock. And the reason why they won is because Pierre Mrazek was doing his thing. Right. So if he puts the team on his back and if he can be that effective, uh, the Hurricanes could surprise some teams. Yeah, I, I like that, trade, that, that move a lot. Uh, the other interesting thing is kind of in a similar rain, uh, vein um, is Robin Leonard to the Islanders. It's kind of a similar situation. It's like, this is their last chance um, in terms of actually proving that they can be a starter in this league. Yeah. And if Laner, you know, it's, it's a similar situation. Carolina has a better defense um, than the Islanders do, but, um, you know, like Leonard's, this is Leonard's third team now. Um, and, it, and, you know, both <laughs> didn't end so well. Um, and, you know, Leonard actually does have good save percentage numbers, and a goals against average, even though he was on the uh, Sabres um, and, you know, the, the Senators when they were bad, I mean, you know, before uh, before all this stuff. So it's like, uh, it, I, I, I'll be curious to see how Lehner and Mrazek do. Um, and you're right, I think there is this aspect, like, just in recent history, there are chances that, you know, like these goalies could turn out to be an anti-Ranta or a Cam Talbot last year. But at the same time, Cam Talbot didn't have a great year this year. And, you know, Scott Darling was supposed to be like, he's been a disaster. So, so there's always that risk when it comes to goalie. And, you know, I mean, like who would expect that 
like Braden Holpe didn't have a great uh, regular season, and neither did Carey Price. And those guys are usually pretty consistent. It just shows that goalies are so fickle nowadays that you know these could work out this year, but they could actually. It's just hard to find consistent goalies around the league. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like a closer in baseball that I yeah. that I find as well. Like they like you see a lot of talented athletes that are very good at their craft, but just like stopping a puck, sometimes it seems like they forget how to pitch effectively in those big moments. And and the shelf life of a closer isn't like the ones that you'd see with like a Dennis Eckersley or a Mario yeah. Rivera or a Trevor Hoffman. And when you see more and more of those guys retire and you see the new guys come in and they got this electrifying stuff, but like after eight, 10 years at most, and they start to show signs of regression, you're just like, what happened with this guy? This guy used to be good. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it's true. I uh, Cam Ward's a good example of that too. Um, I do want to briefly mention that Cam Ward got one year, $3 million. Uh, I should mention the other goalies that also got one year, uh, Leonard and Morazic, they only got $1.5 million or $1.15 million for Mur- in Morazic's case. Ward got $3 million for one year. That's like, I don't know how he does it, really. It's like, it's, he and, just... and you know what he also got? What? No trade. Yeah, no trade. It's like he's like he's he's making bank off of one great playoff performance, um, and that was like ten years ago. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm jealous of him. Actually, really. twelve. It was twelve years ago. Yeah, I'm jealous of him. It's like I don't know, um, but like I, I guess it's. I, I did kind of say that I would imagine that Chicago is looking for goalies, considering how their season went. Whereas, like once uh, Crawford was injured. It was like it's a like their season was over, so so they kind of needed a, another guy who at least has some experience and can keep them in games. So there's that, but um, I'm, I'm not sure if he's a great goalie per se. Hey, as long as they keep around Scott Foster and play him next year, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, they also signed Brandon Manning for two years, two point two five million, which is a little much for a bottom pair defenseman, and they also get Kunitz. A one-year, one million, which is just laughable. Um, but like, it's Chicago at this point where it's like, you know, they're they're still hindered by Taze and Kane's contract, and they can't really afford any big name guys anymore. So they have to rely on all these guys that are like are kind. Like, I don't know. It's just a weird move here. Um, Not to mention, uh, Chris Kunitz has his Stanley Cups, which you know, there's. You know, you look at on the people on Chicago. Number one, oh wait. Yeah, actually, that kind of this does remind me. I didn't put this in the show notes, but uh, Jack Johnson goes to Pittsburgh. Um, so this kind of caused a stir. Um, first off, uh, let me get the contract details. But uh, John, he said in the press conference two things. Uh, Rutherford said that uh, like. He didn't play a ton uh, late in the season, and he knows why, kind of implying that Tortorella uh, didn't like him. Um, but, uh, they signed Jack Johnson to uh, five years, 3.25 millions, 
Um, and then there's also uh, uh, Jack Johnson even said in the press conference that he wants to um, he he can't wait to go to a team that has a winning culture, quote unquote. Um, not to mention that the Blue Jackets, you know, made the playoffs tw- uh, the last two years, so it's not like they're the Sabers or something like that. But uh, so that was a strange thing, and of course that kind of bothered John Tortorella. Um, I'm sure you you guys have heard it by now. So, but it's very obscene, um, of course, because it's John Tortorella we're talking about. But like he kept on saying how like how dare he say this? All the stuff like we've been trying to help him because uh, he famously his parents famously bankrupt him um, a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, Tortorella got mad, and, you know, and honestly, like, you know, Tortorella has this reputation of being kind of a, I don't know how to say this without being profane, but, um, not the nicest person, I'll say that, um, but, like, I kind of agree with Tortorella on this, it's like, dude, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets, like, made the playoffs last year, like, what the hell, and, like, you're you're at like negative. You have a negative thirty something um, on your you know as a defenseman. That's not good. So it's like you have no right to like be arrogant in that regard. Um, although I guess he has a minus six this year, so he wasn't terrible. But like eleven points, seventy seven games. But um, even still, it's like you know this guy was a third overall pick. Um, and, you know, he hasn't been, he hasn't acted like it or uh, performed like it. So, um, but, uh, again, he, uh, he did, he was bros with Crosby way back when, when they were both in high school. So there is that, but, um, it, it was just an odd situation. So it's like, why are you even saying this? Like, I understand the Penguins, uh, one two cups in three years and they're more successful than Columbus in that regard. But like, like not having a winning culture, that's, that's the opposite of what's happening in Columbus. So, um, you know what John Tortorella did is that he got the fans on his side. Yeah, that's true. They hate Pittsburgh. They hate (laughs) losing to Pittsburgh, especially in the postseason. Pittsburgh, not knowingly, maybe they didn't attack him, but it sounded like they did. They attacked the organization, they attacked Torts, and he's like, how dare you? And then the fans are like, yeah, you go get him, Torts. Right, right. You let him have it. Yeah, and then Rutherford made, like, a weird remark, too. It's just like, um, <laughs> there was something, like, Torts was saying, is like, what bothers me more is that Jack Johnson didn't, like, uh, or Rutherford, uh, had, like doesn't know what's going on and he's only he'll he's only like three hours away like how does he know that or something like that so it's just um yeah he said he said it he cursed a bit there but uh <laughs> uh so read the full context yeah, uh, just, uh, yeah he cursed a bit i'm yeah. just gonna yeah i'm <laughs> paraphrasing here uh but like so so what you're right that there are like this does adds to like the fuel to this quote-unquote columbus pittsburgh rivalry um there isn't really a rivalry um but it it does feel like that like oh yeah let's let's go towards your you know we're with you even though we know you're kind of a uh you might be a little bit of a a jerk sometimes um 
Thomas Vanek. Uh, so a couple more things before we go to Bruins Sens. Uh, Vanek goes to Detroit, one year, $3 million. This is kind of an interesting uh, wrinkle in his contract because uh, apparently he has a no-trade contra- uh, clause in this contract, which means, uh, uh, like, you know, he can... He can be traded by trade deadline, but only if he wants. Um, so it, it's, it appears that he just didn't like being traded all that time, all that much. Um, but now he's just doing one year with three million deals. So I kind of like that that move. It's like, all right, standing his ground, and he goes back to his former team in Detroit. So there's that. I think um, I think more than anything, he wants to control his own destiny. Like yeah. he's moved around at least five, maybe six different markets in as many years. Yeah. And, you know, if you're going to sign with somebody, you know, with a rebuilding team, you know, and a no trade, like, yeah. like if you want to win, you wouldn't ask for a no trade on a rebuilding team unless you like the market that's there or you want to still play hockey. But if they trade you, you want to have say as to where you go. And right. the, the fact of the matter is on a team that was coached by Tortorella, who was big on defense, which he isn't. He got seven goals and 15 points to 19 games. Thomas Vanek still has game. Yep. The question is, how much game does he have left? And he signed, like, you know, on the first day of free agency, not like mm-hmm. last year where he signed, like, at the end of August. So, uh, yeah. so there, there, there's that change as well. Um, yeah, but that is a good point in terms of, like, you know, Tortorella is very much into, uh, you know, defensive mind and, Vanek is notoriously known for not playing defense, so um, so yeah, there is that aspect of things. Uh, maybe he just wanted to get out of Columbus before Torts got really pissed at him. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Calvin DeHaan to Carolina. Uh, we kind of briefly mentioned this when at the start of the show, but uh, four years, four point five million. DeHaan was injured for like half the season, um, but like he's a really good shutdown guy. Um, I am curious now, though, because, uh, like, Carolina has a ton of left-handed shot defensemen um, now that they added Dougie Hamilton, or Doug Hamilton, um, and now they also have Calvin DeHaan. So I am wondering if maybe uh, maybe if Justin Falk is gone, uh, there is that possibility. Um I think he was gone uh, once, for sure, once the Hamilton trade was made. I think even more so now with DeHaan. But. Right. Uh, I was going to look here, I guess. Oh, DeHaan's a left-handed shot. Um, let's see here. Um, hold on. But I do remember that they had, a, like, a Golden Knight situation um, as opposed to, uh, like, you know, what they had too many defensemen. So, uh, Doug Hamilton, Justin Falk... Brett Pesci and Trevor Van Riemsdyk are all right-handed defensemen. Jacob Slavin, uh, DeHaan, and Hayden Fleury are left-handed defensemen. Um, I believe they also have... Oh, Jake Bean might be something. He's a left-handed defenseman. Um, I think there was another one that might be something. But... um, Yeah, okay. I guess that's not bad, but like I have a feeling that... Justin Falk might be traded, but um, that, that's a pretty good decor. Uh, but that's, especially with yeah. the TBR signing a two-year extension as well. Yeah, and that's but that's like seven defensemen uh, that mm-hmm. I just listed. Um, 
So, so I don't know. It, I have a feeling maybe there is something in the works. We'll see how that goes. Um, What's interesting about uh, DeHaan, and you talk about his shutdown ability, and uh, the folks at uh, The Point, at PNC Hockey on Twitter, they're absolutely killing it with some of these tweets. Like, we're talking in-depth stats you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Um, again, not sponsored by them, just a really good site. But uh, here's here's what they had on Cal DeHaan. They could Lock sponsor shot. us. We're not opposed to that. <laughs> yeah. Block shots per 20 minutes for Calvin DeHaan last year, 2.23 on average. Top 10 in the entire league. Canes were dead last as a team. Offensive zone defensive plays per 20 minutes, 7.81. NHL top 10 again for DeHaan. Canes as a team sat 21st. And defensive zone rebounds recovered. Calvin DeHaan was 12th in the entire National Hockey League. Carolina was middle of the pack in that regard. They were 14th as a team. Yep. The, the defenseman, or so the stats say. Yeah, true. Um, okay, uh, and then lastly, I do just want to touch up on this. We're kind of short for time still, but uh, uh, Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel go to the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Uh, they both get four years, three million, uh, three million per year. Um, this is just, I don't get it. Like, I know that the Canucks aren't, aren't going to be good for a couple more years, but Roussel and Beagle are both, you know, bottom line guys, like, you know, bottom six guys. Um, and you go, you sign them for $3 million, um, just seems absurd. It's like, you don't even need these guys at the moment. You know, you have... Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, supposedly coming up this year. Um, you know, of course, you have Sven Bereshi, who you resigned, Bo Horvat, um, but and Braden Sutter could still be something. So it, it's just, it was just weird to see like, why are they doing this? I mean, I I understand maybe if like you need a veteran presence to like mentor these guys, but like. And, and to be fair, Jay Beagle is that guy. But, like, Antoine Rousseau, like, why do you even need that guy? Um, so, I don't um, – he's more of a pest-type player. Um, and he could be something. And, he, I mean, he is 28 years old, so there is that. And he'll probably get better chances of, you know, deployment other than um, if he was, say, in Dallas again. But at the same time, you're like, why – like – you're paying three million for guys who will probably be on your fourth line. I just found this a strange; these two strange signings, um, to say the least. What's also interesting is that Roussel, uh, in year one of that deal, uh, fifteen team no trade list. It goes to an eighteen no trade in years two and three. In year four, it's down to five. So uh, again, another curious use of the no trade there. But yeah. uh, on average, the past four years, he can score 10 to 15 goals, close to 30 points, never reached 30, but he's been close a couple of times. Like you said, a bit of grit and sandpaper that he brings. But um, when you look at his ability to uh, generate defensive zone turnovers, yep. uh, he was pretty good in that regard. And if there's one thing that the Canucks need is generating scoring chances. And another thing that they need is winning defensive zone face-offs, which Jay Beagle is very good at doing. And he's one of the best at it in the league last year. So 
if they're trying to create offense and limit the amount of time that other teams are spending in their own zone, based on what the stats tell me, Roussel and Beagle are going to help out with that. Yeah, that's true. But it's you're right. Getting third or fourth line guys three million a year for like three or four years, yeah. Uh, especially in a rebuilding team, it's a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, the three million uh, I'm not too concerned about because it's like for like a fourth line guy, it's like whatever. But like four it's years, it's more the term for you. I yeah, guess. yeah. It's more it's more the years in that regard. It's just like it's like. I don't know. Uh, I mean, unless they think that Roussel is a t- like a top four guy, a top six player, but um, it seems I don't know. It's just it's just like four years. You don't even know what you're t- like if Pedersen is even the real deal or not. Um, or um, I mean, Bus- Besser obviously looks great, and so does Horvat, and B- Bearshi has his moments, but. Um, it's like, why, why four years? You don't know what, what's going on. So, I mean, I can understand it from like experience standpoint for Beagle. Um, it's just, I don't know. It, 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 it seems like a strange deal. Um, it, uh, if you look at some of the contracts that the Canucks yeah. have been dishing out, Sam Gagne getting sure, paid Gagne around three or four million, Berchi the same in the deal that he just signed. He signed a three year yeah. extension with Vancouver. So it's not like when it, they have to, Hey, Brock Besser, a lot bigger term for a lot bigger dollar signs. It's not like they're screwing themselves over with these deals either. Like, yeah. they can afford to keep Brock Besser along with these two signings. Yeah. I mean, I, I was more, I was okay with the Gagne signing last year because, like, that guy had 50 points at, for a bottom line guy. So, like, that's a guy that you should have in your lineup. And, you know, so that I, I could understand that aspect of things. But, like, I don't know. It was just, uh, um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, before, uh, it doesn't look like it's an official yet, but uh, there are reports now that Patrick Maroon is going to St. Louis, so there's another depth move for St. Louis there. Um, but we'll talk more about that um, in the coming weeks when that's official. But it looks like he's going to be a blue. I just wanted to point that out there. Um, but I just do. I do want to reiterate that it's not official yet. So it could, it could be that Maroon is not signed to the Blues in the next two weeks. Um, but it looks like it would make be. sense though if they. It would make sense if they did sign him though, because if I'm not mistaken, and he is a Missouri native. Oh, oh yeah, I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, it is kind of interesting that like this guy kind of made bank on uh, being McDavid's line mate, and now um, now he might be making bank elsewhere. Um, all right, now we go to the Bruins send segment. Uh, this was, well, uh, so the biggest news out of both our teams was the Eric Carlson trade, which you'll get more of tomorrow. Um, but the Bruins made a lot of free agent moves now, uh, that I kind of do want to talk about here. Um, a lot of guys coming in and a lot of guys coming out. Uh, John Moore, the biggest one was five years, 2.75 million. Talk about guys uh, for years uh, signing bottom pairing guys for uh, for a long term. Um, so I, I I don't I know that John Moore is more of an offensive defenseman. I I don't really understand this per se because it, it wasn't like Matt Grizzlick was that bad. Um, Tory Krug I don't think is um, going to be that bad either. But 
Um, I don't know, maybe this means that Krug might be more willing to be traded, but I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't necessarily like this deal, um, per se. I'll just, I'll just list these all out. Um, Joachim Nordstrom, two years, one million. Chris Wagner, two years, 1.25 million. Uh, those are definitely depth guys or, you know, bottom of fourth line pairing guys, uh, considering that, uh, we uh, had, uh, Tim Schallers going to Vancouver. Um, I think, uh, Corrali staying and there's also, um, there's another guy who left. Um, Achar, no, Achari is still there. Um, I think there was another guy who uh, left, but um, so so those were more depth signings, which I'm fine with. And then you Yaros- mentioned Riley Nash leaving, right? Um, I will. I'll, I'll get to him, and I'll oh, also okay. get to Kudobin. But uh, Halak, Yaroslav Halak, which was two years, two point seven five million. Um, I I would rather have Kudobin, who ended up going to Dallas. Which was two years, two point five million. So we signed Halak for point two five million more um, for the same deal. But you know, Kudobin was one of the reasons why we, uh, the Bruins, even you know, like you know, it was a good like he was a great backup for us last year, and he you know he saved some games. You know, I don't, I wouldn't see him being a starter in the league, but. Um, it was, you know, I, I feel like I'd rather have Kadobin compared to Halak. I had Halak at on my fantasy team for a couple of days, um, and he was terrible. So I, 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 I already have a bad perspective on Halak. So I, you know, I hope for the best. I hope that Sweeney, you know, it's come to a point where Sweeney kind of knows what he's doing, and we've gotten this far with him as a GM, but. You know, he does make some questionable free agent moves. Um, so so there is that worry of things where I'm like, I don't know. Um, but we'll, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where we'll wait and see. It is definitely possible that Kudobin will uh, struggle in Dallas and Halak could be good in Boston in a backup role like this instead of being, like, being relied upon as the guy in New York. So... There is that aspect of things, and it's also kind of cool that we have a Montreal Canadian former yeah. goalie. So maybe yeah. he'll like um, he'll have a grudge against all the Montreal anytime he plays against Montreal. So there's that, but um, at the same time, it's like I don't know. Um, Nordstrom. I, I, I think the the thing here's the thing with Halak and Udobin. Hugh Dobin, I really loved what he did um, with uh, the Bruins this past year. But track record-wise, he's been just as inconsistent as Yaroslav Halak. When he's on his game, though, he can really be useful. He can really be a valuable asset to your team. But if Tuka Rask is out for an extended period of time, who do I trust to be able to handle the workload? I'm taking Halak over Hugh Dobin because he's done it before. Yeah, I guess so. In terms, of, Halak has more experience being a starter, um, per se. But I don't know. I feel like uh, I think current upside, though, I'm more yeah. comfortable with you, Dobin, though. Yeah, I that's what that. I was about to say. I'm pulling up their stats now. Uh, Kudobin had a nine thirteen save percentage and a two point five six GAA in thirty one games, whereas Halak mm. 
had this is in 54 games so keep that in mind that's 20 more games um 908 save percentage and a gaa of 3.19 so there is a chance that like if if you give him less games he might be okay but Kadobin had a, a way better season than Halak did, um, even though there was, you know, Halak <laughs> uh, played 20 more games. Um, so that, mis- that mysterious player, by the way, that uh, you couldn't remember, I think it might be Nick Holden who went to Vegas. Uh, was that? It might have been, yeah. No, I was thinking Nick of just... Nick to Vegas. I think I, I was thinking of a fourth-line guy, but um, whatever. Like, uh, t- uh, mm-hmm. on the on the... On the one of the forwards, but it's okay. Well, whatever. Uh, okay. I'm sure. I, I'm sure I figured it out. Anyways, um, speaking of that, in terms of depth, uh, Riley Nash is out as well. He goes to Columbus, three years, two point seven five million. Um, you know, we were speaking about this before when we were talking about Beagle and Roussel. Um, you know, like like this, Riley Nash was a great depth guy for the Bruins last year. Um, I'm not necessarily sure it's sustainable, but this is great for Columbus, and if if they if he can maintain that the season that he had last year, um, and this year for Columbus, then that's great. I did say this last uh, last episode, like you know, I it was sad that he's gone, but it was kind of inevitable at the same time. It's just just our cap situation. Um, so, um, but like, you know, I do hope for the best that he gets, he stays, you know, that he, uh, I'll be rooting for him in Columbus, but I just, I just didn't see how we could fit him in. Um, and here's hoping that either JFK, Trent Frederick, or, uh, Jack Stenica, who are our three best center prospects are, um, able to, uh, take the lead. It looks like Jacob Forsbacher Carlson will be the guy, um, but um, but you know it could be another guy. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, fun fact on that is Forsbacher Carlson was um, was uh, Charlie McAvoy's teammate in BU for a bit. So um, so there's that. Um, but uh, so I'm excited to see how uh, how. The, like what's going to happen in terms of depth for the Bruins, but I don't think it's too much to worry about. Um, at the moment we did resign Sean Corrali. Um, and that was, that was cool to see, but, um, you know, Tim Schaller is going to hurt. Riley Nash gone is also going to hurt. Um, I think I was thinking of Noel Achari, but I think he might still be on the Bruins. Was that the guy? No, no, Atari's still on um, the team. I, I don't know who I was thinking of, but um, <laughs> uh, so those were the four notable negatives out. Uh, well, I know right. Anton Blyde uh, resigned. Oh, all right. Well, I don't know. I don't know what. I, I was just gonna forget about it. Maybe I'll remember <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, Riley Nash, Kadobin, Schaller are all gonna be missed, um, but you know I think there are rela- replaceable. Um, but you know, they were, they were great for us, um, last season, but you know, I don't think we're paying those guys that much money. So, you know, do them. Um, and let's hope that Joe can Nordstrom and Chris Wagner can, uh, do some stuff as well. So we'll see 
how that goes. I notice I keep on saying that phrase a lot. Um, Senate, let's go to the Senators. If you can avoid talking about Eric Carlson, I know it's going to be hard, but we're, I really want to save that for tomorrow. Uh, no, uh, no trade at this point that we're talking has yeah. happened, by the way. It's just been trade speculation. There yeah. was a deal that was close on Thursday. A lot of people expected it was a done deal. We'll talk more about that uh, in part two. Yep. But at the moment we are talking to you, Eric Carlson is still on the Sens payroll. Yep. Um, so, but like the sentence didn't really do much in terms of signings. Alex Burroughs, um, did retire. So that gives you confidence in Dorian's trading ability. Um, speaking of that, but, uh, yeah, Alex Burroughs. And Jonathan Dolan has still got an NHL future though. Yeah. But am, am I right that the, the Burroughs, like, uh, the, the sentence didn't do much, right? In terms uh, of signing? The, what, what did happen, um, in a, since we talked last, they have re-signed Chris Weidman to a one-year contract. Okay. However, um, for whatever reason, uh, they didn't make Freddie Clayson a qualifying offer, which in my opinion was a stupid decision, and now he's with the New York Rangers. Huh? So we've lost Freddie Clayson. Uh, and uh, also, uh, as far as signings go, Mike McKenna, they got him on a uh, one-year deal. Uh, same with Paul Carey, who played for the Rangers, so... They didn't do too much on the signing front, but they just added some depth pieces. Uh, and off the ice, um, they had more bad news. Uh, Randy Lee apparently is facing another second harassment charge. Uh, he plans to enter a not guilty plea there. And uh, there was also an incident uh, a couple of months ago at Cody CC's home in which uh, a woman was badly burned. So uh, it seems every single week we're talking about another negative sentence story and um, yeah. kind of Growing tired of it. Yeah, it's like hell in Ottawa right now. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> do not, I, do not I honestly can't there. remember a franchise that's had it this bad. Like, it just yeah. seems every week there's something bad going on with the sentence, whether it's on ice, off ice, whether it's accidental or not. Right. It's, uh, I've like, almost run out of words to describe how yeah. much of a nightmare the last 12 months have been for sense fans. Yeah. It's like, no wonder Carlson wants to leave. Yeah. Um, I don't think he wants to leave. I think, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I just mean in terms of an organization, not saying like Ottawa in general. I, I, I will say this, uh, that if Eric Carlson, if there's any hope of Eric Carlson staying, Melna can't be the owner. Yeah, no, I agree with that. He, he might have the best intentions to try and make this team better and be a winner in a couple of years. But I, I, there, there's a saying, I, I can't remember um, if it's from a popular series or not or which series it was, but there's a saying that goes something along the lines of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And I'm sure Eugene Melnick wants to own the Ottawa Senators and make them profitable and do it for all the right reasons. But if the Ottawa Senators are going to attract big-name talent again and convince people that Ottawa is the place to be to win a Stanley Cup. Eugene Melnick cannot be the owner of that team. Um, it, it's just, it's not that he's a bad person, it's just that I think he's run his course in Ottawa. Yeah, I think the question is, is like, will he sell the team? And that I'm not sure. Um, and, if, and if he ever does, I think Carlson will be gone by that point, and it'll be too late. Right. 
By the way, that reference that you had of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah. I yep. thought it was going to be an army reference, but I just looked this up. It's a Star Trek web reference. Spot. That's what I thought it was, yeah. but I wasn't quite sure, and I didn't want to say something and make me look like an idiot. So no, it's okay. I wouldn't know because I'm not really a Star Trek guy. But neither <laughs> am I. <laughs> yeah, That's clearly. I yeah. Spock says, "Lord, logic clearly dictates that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few," and then Captain Kirk gets into an yeah, argument. Yeah, that's that. what I figured. I, I, I was watching the Big Bang Theory years ago and I heard uh, uh, Sheldon say that. So that's where some, I got it from. For some reason, I thought there was like, I remember back when I was a child, there was like a military commercial for the US and it was just like, uh, <laughs> the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or something like that. And they were trying to recruit mm-hmm. people, but I don't know. But I was like, there's no chance that Steve has watched that considering he lives in Canada. so The one, the one thing I will say about the Carlson stuff uh, before we save the rest uh, for part two yep. is that the Sens did make him an offer, and when asked by uh, reporters what Carlson's reaction to that offer was, Pierre Dorian said, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. And that basically tells me, unfortunately, all that I need to know, and um, a trade is probably going to happen. Yep. It's We're... just a matter of when and to which team. Well, we'll talk more tomorrow. Uh, we have, uh, we're actually almost at two hours. Um, so, um, so we'll, uh, this is a, I mean, this will be a good podcast if you're traveling somewhere. I don't know. I hope you guys had a good fourth. Uh, our SoundCloud, which you're probably listening to now, um, if you haven't tuned off completely, uh, we're, we're at, uh, we're on SoundCloud. We should be on iTunes. Uh, we post these episodes up on our Twitter, which is Lace Up Podcast. We're all, we also post these up on our Facebook, uh, Lace Them Up. Um, Steve usually tweets out on the Lace Them Up Twitter account a lot, just on breaking news and stuff. Um, so so that's that. There's that if you want to get in depth, up to the minute hockey news, uh, you can go uh, to our Twitter and follow us there. Um, Otherwise, uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow where we're going to talk about trades, re-signings, and the Hall of Fame um, tomorrow. Um, so look forward to that. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Elswick. We'll talk again some more in part two of episode 132 of the Lace Up Podcast.